Welcome to my podcast. If you haven't been here before, my name is Judy Fitzgerald, and I am a 10-year breast cancer survivor. I am not a medical professional, nor do I claim to be providing any medical advice. The purpose of my podcast is to provide education and support for women who are facing the horrible disease of breast cancer. I presently serve as one of three consumer advocates on the Cleveland Clinic's breast cancer vaccine clinical trial to begin soon in 2021. Please help me by subscribing to my channel and visiting my website at www.sistersforprevention.com. There you can read about our latest progress on, with the vaccine research, as well as obtain tips for lifestyle and diet changes to help prevent the recurrence of breast cancer. Thank you for visiting my channel and for your support. In my last podcast, which was called Preparing for a Mastectomy, I discussed strategies and supplies, which I and others have found extremely helpful in the process of recovering from a mastectomy. I encourage you to listen to the podcast while preparing for your mastectomy and hope that you too will find these tips helpful. The type of mastectomy I will be discussing is what was called a skin sparing mastectomy. I was not a candidate for the nipple sparing mastectomy due to the fact that I had extensive ductal cancer in both breasts and therefore we could not be certain if the nipples were safe to keep since they are connected to the ductal system, which is obviously the purpose of the breast when nursing a newborn. My surgery was classified as immediate reconstruction in that I had a tag team of surgeons, my breast surgeon as well as my plastic surgeon. The breast surgeon would remove the cancer and the plastic surgeon would then insert expanders to prepare my chest to receive the final implants at a later date. These expanders would be gradually inflated over the next several months to make room for the new permanent implants. There are many other types of mastectomies and reconstruction procedures, but I was not a candidate for others. To find out more information about using your own tissue for reconstructive purposes, please visit my friend Terry Cootie's website at deepjourney.com, D-I-E-P journey.com. There she discusses the many other types of reconstruction procedures that are available using your own tissue. My mastectomy was scheduled for January the 30th and since I live about two hours from Boston, where the mastectomy would be performed, my husband and I rented a hotel room for the night before. This enabled me to also get my pre-surgery testing without having two trips up to Boston. My surgery would be performed at the Faulkner Hospital, which is an affiliate of the Dana-Farber Can Cancer Institute. We were expecting that I would spend two nights in the hospital 
and then be released to go home on the third day. Those of you who are awaiting this surgery know that the day of the mastectomy and the days leading up to it can be extremely stressful and filled with anxiety. Although I was anxious, I was also ready and eager to get this part of my journey completed. Because as you know, with the clinical pathology, which is the pathology prior to the mastectomy, there's still a great deal of uncertainty as to the treatment plan that would follow, as they would need the surgical pathology, especially the information on lymph node involvement before any decisions could be made. That morning, as I showered and prepared to leave the hotel to go to the hospital for my surgery, I underestimated how I was going to feel about the loss of my breasts. I had nursed both of my children. Memories of that time came back to me. And although I'm well beyond childbearing years, I was 53 years old at the time, it was still emotional that they would no longer be with me. Not only would that be taken away, but also breasts are such an important part of women's sexuality. Although I had no choice in the matter, it was still an emotional time for me. And when I looked in the mirror for the final time, I said goodbye and I wept. After I had a good cry, I felt a lot better and was ready to get on with it and go to the hospital for the surgery. When I arrived at the hospital, the wonderful staff at the Faulkner Hospital, who were kind and caring, immediately took me into the pre-op room. And I ch there's where I changed into my hospital gown. A nurse came in to talk to me and reassured me that they would do everything they could to make me comfortable. And she began an IV. Within a few minutes, my surgeon and plastic surgeon would come in to talk to me for one last time and tell me again, review the procedure and make sure that we were all in agreement of what the process would be. My surgeon would also mark my breast to show that both breasts were about to undergo a mastectomy. They do this, especially in the case when only one breast is being removed to ensure that the, pro the correct one <laughs> is indeed removed. They also asked the nurse to give me some anxiety medicine in my IV and she would be back, the surgeon would be back in a few minutes to inject the blue dye into my breast which would then trace to the sentinel node which would be the first lymph node to be removed during the surgery. The sentinel node has a, an appropriate name as it guards the breast from any invaders from the rest of the body. If the sentinel node was free of cancer, they would not need to take any further nodes. If the sentinel node did have any evidence of cancer, then they would have to continue to remove further nodes until they would get one that had not been invaded by the cancer cells. Since I was not a candidate for the nipple sparing mastectomy, my incision would be across the middle of my breast. Those of you who are selecting the nipple sparing mastectomy 
will most likely have the incision under the breast so that it cosmetically would have a better appearance um, after the reconstruction. They allowed my husband to come in one last time to give me a hug and comfort me. And I kissed him and said, I see you on the other side. And they took me into surgery. When I awoke in the recovery room, I was still pretty drugged from the anesthesia. And I honestly don't remember much of that time. All I remember is waking up in the room where I would spend the next several days. My chest was bound with many bandages, and a surgical bra had been put on me. I had four drains, two on the left side and two on the right side. And most of the pain was a pressure on my chest muscle, which had been stretched during the surgery to insert the expanders. As the anesthesia wore off, I can tell you that the pain was unlike any I had ever experienced before. And I actually had had a natural childbirth for my second son. But it was, the pressure was intense, sort of like if you had a bus sitting on your chest. The other challenge was moving my arms. The drains that are, that are inserted during surgery have a very important purpose. They are to siphon off the fluid from the surgical area so that the infection would not set in. It is also for the purpose of stopping, of helping to reduce any swelling that might occur. These drains are stitched in the area where they would protrude from under your arm. So moving the arms was a challenge. And I will tell you that it is such a temporary thing when you think about the fact that your body is now free of cancer, that you can get through it. The only reason I tell you about the level of the pain is so you can be prepared. But this is something that is temporary and can be managed with pain medication. But you will need pain medication. While I was in the hospital, I was given a morphine pump, which when I felt the rise of the pain wave, I could administer the medication myself. There is no need to be concerned, because should you administer or, or attempt to administer the pump too soon, it is programmed to only allow so much in a certain time period. I was also allowed to, to add to my pain management with Tylenol with codeine. The codeine, of course, made me very drowsy, as did the morphine. But it also had a negative effect on my stomach. As I have a very an extreme tendency to nausea, I was, had also been given anti-nausea medication during my mastectomy. And I asked for some more to be administered through my IV during the period in the hospital. That first night was quite difficult. 
My husband decided to spend the night with me in my room. I felt so sad for him, so sorry for him. They gave him this makeshift recliner, which didn't really stay reclined. And I don't think, honestly, that he got very much sleep. When the morning came, I was asked uh, what I would like for breakfast. And I really just wanted a cup of coffee at that point. As you know, hospital food is not the best medicine. Prior to my admission to the hospital and since my diagnosis, I had been researching healthy lifestyle and diet for the prevention of the recurrence of my cancer. I had adopted orga an organic protocol and, and had eliminated most of the sugar from my diet. Needless to say, the only thing that was satisfactory on my tray was some oatmeal cooked in water, as I had also given up all dairy products as well. This is an area which really needs to be addressed. And in the 10 years since my surgery, it has been greatly improved in many hospitals. That day, I was encouraged to get up and walk around dragging my IBEP hole with me. And the biggest challenge, honestly, was getting out of the bed. You can never underestimate how important your arms are when trying to lift you to a, from a, a lying position to a sitting position. The thing that helped the most was to use my hospital bed to bring up the back of the bed to a sitting position then scoop my legs over and not use my arms as much as possible, but to just sort of shimmy myself off the bed. Walking down that hall were not even what I would say would be maybe 600 feet. Seemed like the longest walk of my life. And to be honest, I couldn't wait to get back in bed. As now they are so conscious of blood clots, they want to get you up and walking as soon as possible. As I did not have a catheter, I would also be allowed to get up and use the bathroom as needed. To be honest, all I really wanted to do was stay in bed and sleep, which is probably the worst thing you can do. My surgeon and plastic surgeon would come in to, to visit me that day. They would open up the surgical bra and check for swelling or, or heat and ensure that I did not have a fever, which would be a sign of infection. That day, I can only tell you, I went in and out of a morphine haze. I did have some visitors. But if possible, if you can do it tactfully and with love, I really would have preferred to not have had visitors that day, as your body is so exhausted from the trauma of the surgery that all you really want to do is sleep. And having visitors, you feel obligated to try and stay awake and have a conversation when you really should be just resting. That night, as I could tell my husband was exhausted, I sent him home to get a good night's sleep. As I was doing so well, they assured me that if I continued this progress through the night, 
I might even be able to go home the next day if I had help at home. My wonderful mother had already agreed to come and stay with us for a week to help with the cooking and cleaning. And that was a great comfort to me as I knew that these would be areas that I would not be able to take care of myself. My husband is a wonderful and caring and the most amazing partner you could ask for. But cooking is not his forte. And I was sure that although my friends wanted to help, my dietary needs would pose a challenge to them as preparing organic meals, meeting all my dietary criteria was not something that would be easily achieved. An important element in pain management was keeping my arms propped up on pillows so that I wouldn't be moving and disturbing the, the drains. In my previous podcast, I talked about the importance of purchasing either a pregnancy or nursing pillow for this purpose. If possible, the pregnancy pillow would be most helpful as you really could wrap it around your body and, and keep your whole body from moving in ways that would be would pull on the drains or chest muscle and cause more pain. At the time, I was not aware of these two items, and so I did not have them. What I used were the bed, was bed pillows with my arms propped up on it. That night, the second night, I still had a very restless night. Of course, you know in a hospital, they always come in at several hours to check your temperature, blood pressure, etc. It seemed like I would no sooner get to sleep, and it was time for them to come in and check me again. The thought of going home the next day was terrifying. I thought at least while I was here, they could be monitoring me. And the fact that I was two hours away from my hospital was also something that concerned me. But I knew that that was probably what was going to happen the next day. When the nurse came in with my and checked on me after breakfast, she said that indeed that my surgeon was filling out the paperwork for me to go home that day. Both my surgeon and plastic surgeon came in to check me again and said that, that there was no reason for me to stay in the hospital, that I could do just as well recovering at home. They also no longer want to keep you any longer than absolutely necessary for the fear of you catching some other sort of bacterial infection from the hospital. I called my husband and told him I would be discharged that day. That was before cell phones, but he was already on his way to the hospital to get me. He brought me my clothes I had purchased in advance of the mastectomy, which contained items that buttoned down the front. I was also given a care package to take home from the hospital. This was filled with some cleaning items to keep my incisions clean, some more gauze pads to, for changing the bandages, and two cups which I would use to measure the fluid in my drains. This would be 
the measurement where I where they would know when it was time to remove the drains. And it was a, a life-saving gift. It was a hot dog pillow, which sounds really strange. But the hot dog pillow had been made by women volunteers at the hospital. I never thought of such a thing, but it was certainly a godsend when going home and having to put the seatbelt across my chest. By putting the hot dog pillow between my chest and the seatbelt, it would greatly reduce further pressure on my chest. I, know, I don't know if they, this is a practice in all hospitals, but again, if you had purchased any of the pillows recommended in my mastectomy supply podcast, those two could also be used. I would be given a chart to keep track of the fluid uh, emitting from my drains and also a temperature chart to take my temperature each day to ensure I did not have an infection. There was also a form to keep track of my pain medication dosage so that I would be able to know when the last dose I had received. This would also be used for my doctor to manage my pain. It was mandatory that I leave the hospital in a wheelchair. So they came to get me and I, my husband packed up my supplies. I was also given prescriptions for painkillers and an appointment card for a week from the surgery to be examined by both my surgeon and plastic surgeon. I was hoping the drains could be removed before then, but that was not to be the case. I'm gonna end this here, and we'll talk about my days at home and the recovery there, not to make this podcast too long. I hope you found this information to be helpful and my purpose is merely to, to give hope and support to women facing my journey. So in the meanwhile, till my next podcast, stay healthy, be safe, and may God bless. And please, just a gentle reminder to please visit my website like my podcast, and subscribe so I can continue to provide support to other women or men facing a breast cancer diagnosis. Thank you.